The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Gilroy, managing partner of the Oakmont Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy, managing partner of the Oakmont Group. Every week, John speaks with public and private sector IT experts about some of the IT trends and challenges facing agencies and industry. Now, your host, John Gilroy. Welcome to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. In the studio, we have Dave Schumann, and he is the IoT and manufacturing leader at Cloudera. Dave, how are you? John, good. Geez, you know, 537 shows. I've never had a manufacturing leader <laughs> sit on that side of the table before. I didn't write this one down, huh? Yeah, exactly. Well, a manu- maybe. manufacturing leader. Well, let me kind of set up this discussion, and then I can let you ramble on here. Um, Many years ago, when I was young and wild, four or five years ago, back in 2012, I heard about this company called Caldera, and I emailed the leader out there, Mike Olson, and I said, hey, Mike, have you a chance to come in town, pop in the studio? And he showed up. <laughs> and then he came in town a couple years later, and I like to keep, keep tabs with what's going on with Caldera. I think the conversations change over the years. Been around since 2008, have a real, real good story to tell, and now we're operating in many different areas that I never thought possible, but this is just the, the power of data. So uh, why don't you tell us about your background first and, and what attracted you to work for Cloudera? Well, John, uh, so I've, I've kind of a varied background. And, and as you see, I have the face for radio, but I also started my, my early career back in broadcasting down in the Caribbean. Um, came to really focus in on data and fell into a dot-com here in the district back in the late 1990s uh, called enews.com. And kind of one of the funny stories, in fact, uh, if you went to the Internet – the internet back in in the late 90s you actually went to us we were our domain name was internet.com and did that for a number of years and sort of changed my career and and started looking at things in the data warehousing realm and getting more and more into data and uh, went in with a really neat innovative startup here called vision chain that was also in the district and um, just have been focused on data ever since I had the opportunity to to join Mike Olson's company in 2014, and it's been an amazing ride. Uh, I think I was like the 300th employee in the door. We're well over 1,700 employees now worldwide, 29 countries that we're in uh, with a physical presence, uh, 68 countries that we actually have customers in today. Yeah, that's why I brought you in because I know Mike, and he, he's, he ain't going to hire no dummies. <laughs> he's, he's a real bright guy, and he sees things well. And, and your LinkedIn profile says 1,600 employees. I mean, you're just adding them and adding them and adding them, you know? Yeah, this is sort of like it's, it's a hard number to write down because it keeps incrementing. We do hire about two people uh, per business day. Wow, that's incredible. So when we had Mike in the studio years ago, we were really kind of technical, talked about Apache Hadoop, and we talked about this, and we talked about map R and reduce and this and that. But I went to your Twitter feed this morning, and it has two words. It has powering possibility. Damn. <laughs> that's the story <laughs> and the interview, huh? So what does that mean? <laughs> well, it, it means that businesses are doing a lot of things with data. The government is doing a lot of things with data. And we had to get back to how do we how do we take the conversation to – what we want to do with the data rather than being all about the processing of the data. So in the early days, we were, we were focused in on the, the technology. The technology itself was new and novel. And what we're getting to now is the ability for us to use data and to do machine learning and advanced analytics and, and operate on our data differently. And that's really where this powers the possibility. The limitation that we find is, is the creativity of the person that we're working with. It's their, their ability to say, I wish 
Uh, you know, like give me a lever and a, a place to stand and I can move the world. That's, that's sort of the fundament of what we're looking for in people to to use data in new and interesting ways. And, you know, it's just it's 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 applying data, I think, is what it's all about. So yeah. uh, I went to YouTube. I typed in your name. I went to Google, typed in Cloudera. And what's interesting in the title on, on the list on Google is it says Cloudera. The next two words are machine learning. Yeah. The next two, it's not Hadoop. <laughs> it's not Apache. It's not uh, come by from us. It's machine learning, which is really it, it, but what I think the the winds have changed into you realizing that uh, a lot of data is being created by IoT, and it's it's the old school would be structured, unstructured. But who knows? Who knows yeah. what kind of data is coming in? So this is really what's all about. And uh, those terms like structured and unstructured and semi-structured data, um, those were invented because yeah, we had to differentiate what we were going to do with the data and its form generated what how we were functionally going to store that. What this modern platform does, and it, has, it frees you up from the constraints of how you're going to store your, your data, what schema you're going to put on top of that. I told you we'd use that word at some point in there. Um, but it gets you to the point of saying, I can ingest data in whatever form or fashion it is, whether it's you know, traditionally digital-oriented data, it's rows and columns, or it's you know, images and sound and all these other ways that we store and have data. We now have that ability to use data natively. And to, to have the barrier not be, you know, gosh, what am I going to do with it? I have to think about that up front. I'm going to store and structure my data in a specific way. But to be able to bring data into the enterprise, and then we do things with it. Well, and the things we do are machine learning and analytics on that data. That's how we, we sort of get the value back out. And there's one other thing, hopefully when you're, you're Googling Cloudera, you see this as well, is that data is in all sorts of different areas today. You know, we're continuing continuing to build out our data centers. We're continuing to build out local storage and capacity for that. But more often than not, now we're also moving those workloads to the cloud, and that's going to require us to process and use data, whether it's in an on-premise environment, whether it's in my traditional data center, or to be able to you know have a wild idea pop up and uh, you build an analytic workload on that, and then get the output of that and spin that thing back down. So your, the way that you operate, the way that you work on data is fundamentally changing. So that's where we come back to, yeah, it, it, there's the underlying goodness of the Apache Software Foundation and Hadoop is a key enabling technology. But equally, we could be talking about Spark for machine learning or Kudu for being a relational store for data or HBase as being a way to do low latency serving. And so Cloudera has become bigger than just the core of Apache Hadoop. And I think that's the transition. I think that the last time we were here, these terms, m- most people were scared of these terms. Hadoop, is that something in Turkish? I mean, no one knew what that was all about. I mean, it, and, and silly little elephant and people all know the silly elephant now. It's a blue elephant, so they, they get it. But but you, what you're saying is, well, yeah, now we have the tools. Now we have yeah. to apply them. And not to go back to my background on this, but we saw this same transition happen with the Internet. When the Internet was starting up, we were really concerned about which browser we were working. Do you remember, remember that? We had browser wars that were going on. And, and we were talking about like the cores of you know, like HTTP and, and what the, the, the servers that we were working with. That evolved. We had the Internet 2.0 come around. It was much more about the services on top of, of the Internet than it was about the core technology itself. You're seeing that same pivot happen again here in big data. We're stopping to talk about the, the zoo animals that are out there uh, and we're getting into what do you do with that? You know, how do you recognize the value? What are the types of workloads 
that you're going to put on that to be able to take raw data and turn it into a distilled data product. So before the show, we're talking about Jim Morrison. Now we're going to talk about Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> he famously said 500 channels and nothing to watch. And I think there are listeners who are working with the federal government who listen to the show who, who may have 500 petabytes of data and nothing to understand. I mean, yeah. this is the dilemma is all this stuff. Well, now what? I mean, we, now Hadoop and all these big – they allow us to bring in all this stuff. Now what do you watch? Yeah. And so famously, we hear the, the word the data lake being used out there. Uh, it's actually not my favorite word on this because I often think about that as being just, you know, a dumping ground for data. Um, if you do that, you're, you're going to have the same thing that if you, you know, you have a file share that sits out there and, you know, mounted to your, your PC and you dump data in there. It, if you don't put structure, if you don't put organization, if you don't put governance, you're never going to get anything back out of that. So, yeah, it's great to have 500 petabytes of, of data, but we really want to talk about how do you structure that? How do you organize that? How do you govern that so that, A, you can find it and use it, and B, that you can protect it from, from people who shouldn't have access to that data? So we really have to talk back to more of what is this sort of governance of, of data in order to give it value. Never forget, years ago, I had a guy in from the Air Force from the Midwest, and he was in charge of 20 data analysts, and their sole job was to analyze fuel consumption for the fleet. Full, 20 full-time people, I mean, really smart people understanding deep analytics and data, and it seems to me that's where you position yourself is, is helping those people out, really complex data sets, you, the, the stuff they're handling, and, and, and then try to make some sense of it and visualize it. It's a, it's a little two-step in there, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, for Cloudera, that's our, our focus on that category of workload kind of sets us apart from the other traditional Hadoop vendors that are out there because we find that these applications are very closely tied to the critical business strategies. Let's take a little break here when we come back, talk more about Cloudera and our federal listeners and how they can take advantage of what Cloudera offers. You are listening to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. In the studio, we have Dave Schumann, IoT and Manufacturing Leader at Cloudera. Welcome back to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. In the studio, Dave Schumann, IoT and Manufacturing Leader at Cloudera, C-L-O-U-D-E-R-A.com. A manufacturing leader in Washington, D.C.? Really? You're the only guy in town with that in your business card? Probably. <laughs> uh, well, I think the most important thing about that for Washington, D.C. is, A, I have a house here, uh, and B, we have an amazing airport system between our three airports, which allows me to get just about anywhere in the world that I need to get to. You know, well, just upstairs here's the W2P. They're going to hear this interview. They're going to drag you up there and have you be the morning guy. <laughs> hey, it's Dave Schumann, the morning guy with that voice. Wow. So you're not new to the radio studio, are you, Dave? Uh, this is not my first rodeo. Wow, that's great. That's great. Well, I went to your company website, and uh, I, I said, okay, usually companies have type, you know, they work with banks or maybe they work with software developers. So I look, well, where does Cloudera applied? Uh, Komatsu, machine maybe, uh, FireEye. That's pushing it. Navistar. And so, you know, I have listeners from the DOD and NIH and, and Department of Interior and wide FEMA, wide, wide range of listeners. It's maybe you may apply in as wide a range as your commercial organization. So how does a company like Codera, how can they how can they work with these different companies? It seems too wide of elements. Well, John, I think you come back to the core of this, which is these are all companies that have data and they're all companies that are they want to use machine learning and advanced analytics to get value out of that data. So we'll go back to Komatsu for a second here. So that's, 
you know, again, they do these large mining uh, equipment that you know sits thousands of feet under the ground and, and operates on that. And they they want to improve the uptime of, of those devices. So how do you use the data to predict when the device needs to be serviced rather than having to service it at specific intervals? Uh, and in the process, you get a lot of data. There's roughly thirty to 40,000 signals per minute that are coming off these, these massive pieces of a mining equipment. And they want to look at that to say, how do we create a, a better experience for the customer? And in fact, even coach the customer. Uh, for, for Komatsu specifically, one of their customers is a, is a mining company in Australia, and they were able to look at the data together from the machinery and the operator to figure out how to, how to better use that equipment. And they doubled the efficiency of using that equipment. Um, Navistar wanted to look at this. You know, so this is telemetry. You know, Navistar is uh, the maker of the International Harvester brand of, of vehicles. You see their trucks on the road and various different classifications on that, from the, the big rigs down to vehicles that uh, deliver within specific uh, metropolitan markets. And they wanted to look at this data, and they say, we believe that we can improve our customers' experience um, and do better maintenance uh, based on the data that's coming off the vehicles. So they started with just a few vehicles um, and built out some algorithms and proved it out and then expanded that out to their entire fleet of Navistar vehicles. And an interesting thing happened with Navistar, by the way. Um, their fleet operators turned around and said, this is great. We don't want it just for your vehicles. We want it for our entire fleet. And so now Navistar, who is a truck manufacturer, is ingesting data from all these different manufacturers that are out there, you know, Volvo and Ford and Mercedes from the fleet operator's perspective, to improve the fleet's effectiveness. And so if you are listening to this and you're over a DOD and you're managing a fleet over there, well, maybe this will give you some insight into what we call predictive maintenance or predictive analytics where you can say, hey, that vehicle is about due. Now yeah. let's take – now you and I say, oh, it's a Chevy, it's a Ford. What if it's an airplane? What if yeah. – I mean, when a 747 goes in for a D-check, that can be $2 million bucks. $2 million for a D-check maintenance check in a big plane like that. And they're taking using these sensors to reduce the cost of that. A great example of that is Sikorsky uh, that is doing just that with the S92 platform, the airframe. And so they looked at this, and, and for every one hour of flight, you can have anywhere from 5 to 25 hours of maintenance that comes off of that. So it's a pretty significant investment that happens in maintaining the airframe. They looked at that and said, can we be more prescriptive in the central rotor radio, uh, maintenance on that. So when do we want to go ahead and, and perform that kind of maintenance? And built it off of data. They built the models on there. Then when they were doing the maintenance, they were doing analytics on the parts that came off of that. And so seeing what the actual wear was on the rotors and built out a better algorithm for when they needed to do predictive maintenance. And, you know, there are companies in town here that are uh, testing aircraft wires for durability. And you think, well, that's not, no, no. You're on the desert, you go up 40,000 feet, back in the desert again, up 40,000, so freeze, thaw, all kinds of terminals. Yeah. And so these sensors give the engineers and physicists who just love all this information, finally they have something they can draw conclusions with, and maybe they need a tool like yours to draw those conclusions. Well, and we're seeing a lot of innovation happening across the public sector um, that are how to use data differently. So uh, a law enforcement agency is looking to bring together all this disparate data, and, and you know, it's one of the... The catchy phrases on this with the, with the three V's of big data, but variety is a big deal in this. And how do you take in you know, like your immigration forms, your I-94 uh, travel forms, trade information, and then integrate that together and make it searchable? And all of a sudden, you know, you talk about analytic workloads. 
some of the core analytic workloads on this are things that were really familiar using SQL, structured query language, using search to be able to get access at your data. And so you can, you know, you add on sorts of visualization tools on top of that. But your first thing is, you know, ingest your data, get it into a, a place where you can start to use these different analytic workloads on top of this. There are people who are listening to this now who, who are in charge of maintaining large fleets of vehicles in the aerospace industry for the federal government. And they go to your website and they're going to see, ask bigger questions. <laughs> well, that's, that's what you got here. You got bigger questions. I mean, just, I mean, consider that. You know, I intentionally brought up those people in the Midwest maintaining the, the fuel allocation. And that's just one little checklist item. So that's 20 people, one small checklist item for, it's just enormous. So here's, this was an interesting thing. I'm going to go back to Navistar for a second, because one of the things that they're trying to do for their customers is improve fleet uptime. And they they look at this and they're, they're trying to get to a 24-hour SLA. If you bring a vehicle into a Navistar facility, that 24 hours later, you will be able to have your vehicle back and back and on the road again. Um, but that clock ticks differently for the customer versus Navistar. The customer thinks 24 hours starts when they drive that onto a Navistar facility. For Navistar, that doesn't start until it gets a maintenance record entered in. So they built out an algorithm for geofencing that says, show me when a vehicle has come within the geofence of our facility and has not had a maintenance record issued for that because they knew that the, the two clocks were disparate on that. Radiant Solutions, just a few miles up on Arlington, they would love that term geofence. That's how they eat. I mean, <laughs> wow. Who? I mean, you know... Back when you got your MBA, would you ever consider it a geofencing application? I mean, the truck pulls in, they have the dial already, bring it in there, bang, we know exactly what to do. Look, the water pump's probably about to fail, replace it out the door next. I mean, rapid, rapid succession. So it takes data and applies it and puts it in work boots. Yeah. And it's just, that was a hypothesis they had. They, they, they believed that they could use that data to improve the experience by doing X, Y, and Z. And those are the things that come out. The X, Y, and Z on that is, yeah, maybe a machine learning algorithm. Or I may be using, in that particular case, it's a fairly simple algorithm, which is if vehicle within this range, it's here. John McWhorter teaches at Columbia. I don't know if you know him or not. And he has a podcast called Lexicon Valley. <laughs> I listened to it in the way in today. And so I got to ask you a word question here and a, and a phrase question. So a lot of people, they talk about machine learning, and they pair that with the phrase artificial intelligence. And that's the yin and yang there. However, what I see coming out of you is I see machine learning and pairing it with advanced analytics. Yeah. And so let's, let's define some of these terms for silly people like me. So machine learning, artificial intelligence, advanced analytics... Yeah. So in machine learning and deep learning, you've got a number of different types in this, whether you were talking about uh, supervised learning. So this is where I'm, I'm, I'm giving it some information. Um, a great example on this is like image classification. So those types of models um, are being trained by humans. You know, is this John? Um, and we do, you know, when you look at things like Facebook, that's where that training data is coming from. When you go into Facebook and you tag something as John, that's now, now you're getting down to a core of a classification, and that's a basic supervised learning model. We also have um, unsupervised learning. So this is where, uh, it's like um, if you go to a, your favorite e-commerce website that's out there, and it makes a recommendation for you, a recommender is a, is a type of unsupervised learning. And then you have these things that are sort of reinforced learning. That's where you're taking those real-time decisions or, or you know, this navigation that's going on, and you're enforcing, and you're helping to, to move that along. Let's take more about learning in a few minutes, but I've got to take a break here. You're listening to Federal Tech Talk and you're on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Today we're speaking with Dave Schumann, IoT and Manufacturing Leader at Cloudera.
Welcome back to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. In the studio, Dave Schumann, IoT and Manufacturing Leader at Cloudera. I brought Dave in. I thought we'd get one hour on heavy-duty coding and Hadoop <laughs> and a little elephant and this and that and structured and unstructured. And then he'd, he'd lecture me on this type of unstructured data. But we're talking about transforming the data and making it practical. And and earlier, we talked about Sikorsky. Now, we all know Sikorsky's up in Connecticut, and we all know they make commercial. We know the, heli- we know the whole story about the helicopters and how complex they are and two hours of maintenance for every hour in the air, seven hours of maintenance. But we have listeners who maintain helicopters for the government. <laughs> and there's a direct parallel there. So if you're listening to the show and you're responsible for maintaining aircraft or helicopters for the federal government, you should probably learn more. Do they have a study on this Sikorsky thing? Yeah, we do. It's on cloudera.com. There's a number of different case studies and resources there, um, as well as a, a wealth of, of information around training and opportunities to, to learn more about the technology. We know, Dave, you have an MBA and a bachelor's degree and all kinds of information that you've studied over the years. So how, how do you keep up with how do you keep up with all these changes? I mean, it's 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 almost impossible for me to keep up with. I can't even keep up with the changes in Google. Never, Google, never mind the changes in unstructured data and Hadoop, and it, it, and all of a sudden now we got to you learn about containers and how they only operate, and then cybersecurity. How do you keep up? Um, I, I always say with this, you you don't have to be smart to begin, but you have to begin to be smart. Um, how do you keep up with this? Well, you you, you get in and you start doing. If you're listening on the sidelines and you say, "All right, you know, I've I've heard about this." Hadoop thing. I've heard about this unstructured data, um, and it sounds too weird for me. I, I, grew up, <laughs> I grew up understanding databases and data warehouses, and, and it blocks know, and grows and yeah, columns and yeah. yeah. I mean, which is you know that was my background. I was a DBA, so you you come to this and you go, all right, you're telling me that I can take data in any form and bring it to this system, and then I can start to do things with that. You have to you have to begin. You have to start to, and bring a data set in there, and then. If you're going to use things like SQL-oriented tools on it, yeah, you're going to put a schema on that. You're good, but you you do the schema that fits the need, and that's what's wildly different about this. When you bring data into an advanced analytics and machine learning platform like Cloudera, the first thing you do is you, you land the data, and you land it almost raw, like exactly the way that it was sitting out there in the real world. And then you start to transform and distill that data. So if you're going to take the tired metaphor on this, you're going to say data is the new oil. Well, you've got a refinery in there. You have to distill and create products that come out of that that, that will allow you to fuel these kinds of, of use cases. And data goes through these various different stages from raw to transformed to, to trusted. And when you get to trusted, you're, you have a data set that's probably built from a number of different sources that's fit to the type of thing you want to do with it. So if you're doing predictive maintenance, you have a you have a time set of time series data as a number of different features that you're creating the model. Features are kind of labels that go on the data for for types of events. And then you're testing these algorithms and you're iterating through that to be able to build out that 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 thing that transforms it, that, that allows you to take an action and an answer with that. And that's how you, you get into this. So how do you keep up with it? You get into it. You, you do it. The longer you're sitting on the sidelines looking at this. And not doing it, the more you know, the more the world is advancing away from you. So I went to YouTube this morning, typed in Cloudera in your name, and I saw a little funny little video of you giving a talk. 
and you use these magic words. Now you have to define them, buddy. Okay, you know it's forever on YouTube. Yeah, a mutable data store. So, so how how did they do it previously, and what power does a mutable data store give to my listeners? Yeah, and so and this is what the interesting thing about the platform we talked about this earlier is it is changing. Hadoop, in, as a core technology, was immutable. It was write once, read many. There are elements now in this ecosystem, and that's why we talk about this being a platform, because we're continuing to bring new capabilities to bear on this. You, know, you mentioned a word at the beginning of the, se- the sequence, and you said we talked about MapReduce. Um, MapReduce is a programming technology for taking large amounts of data and, and building value out of that. But today, as much as about MapReduce, we talk about Spark as a framework that's in there. So an immutable data store, it is, I I bring it in, I write it once, read it many times, it is what it is. In that same platform now, we have ways of doing mutable data so that I bring data and it's changing over time. And these are other frameworks that you would use in this this core platform. We talked about uh, Komatsu construction, Navistar, maybe real summer related maintenance. But you folks work with FireEye. Nothing yeah. to do with trucks, nothing sure. to do with helicopters. So what do you possibly do with FireEye? Sure, but but it is. I mean, so the, the data, let's go back to the data that was coming from Komatsu Mining or Navistar. That's a series of time series data from a machine. It's an event. The same type of data, the same types of things are happening in cyber. You're bringing in data, and those are from your routers, your network devices that are in there. But that is time series data from, from your machines. And so how you can build predictive algorithms that work off of that is what brings the value to this. And so what, you know, what is FireEye doing with it? Well, they're, they're doing things that are focused in on security uses of network data. Security uses of network data from IOT devices? Sure. Uh, from devices. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter whether that's a, a part of your own internal network here at federal news radio, or whether it's coming off your car I mean, both of those are, are, are generating data and you want to be able to look for, um, look for ways that the intended use is being corrupted. Hmm. How the in- this is this is interesting. So it's 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 a so I can use an Excel spreadsheet, old school, for many different applications for finance and for maintenance. But what you're saying is that uh, you can provide a framework where wide variety of organizations can ingest data any way it, it presents itself and try to make meaningful decisions based on that. Yeah. And that's the, that's the leap. I mean, yeah. 500 channels, nothing to watch. We all know that. But the leap is, is the analytical part. Right. And you're, in, in these cases, you're looking for anomalies. Um, you're looking for things that, you know, that don't make sense in the construct of the data that you had. And so in the way we, we train the models on, on data, we, we take a, a corpus of data, a large volume, and they say, all right, this is good stuff. This is the way the world should be, and we train our models on that. And now you start to look for things that don't match those patterns. And in when you look at something in cybersecurity on this, they're looking for the things that we didn't already know. It wasn't, you know, these are, these weren't all the attacks that were predicted on here. We're looking for types of activity that that doesn't make sense in the construct of the the way that we've defined our world. I was taking notes preparing for the interview. I wrote down data in motion. And then we talked about uh, aircraft and collecting data from moving aircraft. So you have data in motion, in data in motion. I mean, it, this is this gets pretty tricky where you have point A to point B and that is changing between points and, and the time frame as well. Yeah. And we start to talk about latency in data. Like when do we need to act on it or when can we act on data? Um, we want to be as close to the, the event as possible to, to allow the consequences of that event to be as minimized. So if I have a cyber attack, I want to be able to know the first instance of that 
as it's coming in. I want to be able to react as fast as we see the attack rather than having to bring that to a human operator, look at that over time, um, and act on it later. So those that's the sort of data in motion. I want to take that immediate piece of input and have it inform, have it used in the context of all the other data that we brought together. Um, we see this every day, by the way. I mean, it, it's not unusual for us to work with data in motion. Again, go back to your favorite e-commerce website. As you're, an, if, as you're engaging with the site, it's reacting to you and showing you different things. That is a perfect data in motion kind of a use case. That's a recommender that's operating on the data in an unsupervised fashion and providing product recommendations back to you based on the last set of actions you took. They're also doing another big thing on that, which is they, they have a profile for you. They've trained a model about you on a long history of your data. So we look at you in two perspectives. This is what John's done over his history with us. And this is what John's doing right now. And both of those are being used to serve you information, to give you actions that you can take. If you allow them to put the cookie on your machine, huh? <laughs> That's the real question. I, um, I'm bounced on thinking about machine learning, machine learning, machine learning, and my little brain goes back to Ray Kurzweil. And uh, he came up with this whole thing called Optus OCR, Optus Character Recognition. Saying to myself, is that is that machine learning? It's it, it's kind of it was a big machine back then. Yeah. Remember that? You probably remember that. When the yeah. first century, it was a big deal. This is maybe a prototype of machine learning. I'm thinking it is. I mean, you you are you know in this case we've we've trained a device to recognize characters, um, and we're going to do that. Remember, we've, we've we have multiple languages. We have different handwriting styles that we're we're trying to bring this in from. It absolutely, it's a great application for machine learning. Let's take a break and come back. We'll talk more about Cloudera and the federal government and maybe how you can help our listeners achieve some of their goals in their federal agencies and, and manage some of the incredible amount of data that's coming in there. You are listening to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. Today, we are speaking with Dave Schumann, IoT and Manufacturing Leader at Cloudera. Welcome back to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM in the studio. We have Dave Schumann, the very first manufacturing leader I've had in the studio in 11 years. I have to, what is this, Detroit or yeah. something, you know, or China or something? He's the IoT and manufacturing leader at Cloudera. Years ago, I had the founder of Cloudera in the studio here, and, and we talked about fancy words like Hadoop and uh, Apache and all kinds of complicated technical things. And, and now we got Dave saying, hey, 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 what's in it for me? What's in it for my listeners? How can we take all these fancy words, structured, unstructured? That's not important. What's important is making decisions today. So let's say sitting over at Interior, scratching my head, and I got all kinds of trucks to worry about, or yeah. you're, you're over at FEMA worrying about trailers, or there's so many different agencies with so many different problems. Maybe NIH, they're worried about x-ray machines. I mean, I don't know what they're worried about. They're worried about things. And so what's the first step? How, what's the baby step here? Well, the baby step, let's start with what, what's your mission? What are you trying to achieve? And where, you know, where's your blind side? What, what's the thing that you're not doing today? You, so if you're back to your FEMA, you say, all right, we want to make sure that we have trailers that are, are in position for the next event that we believe we're going to need them for in a safe location. So that's a set of constraints that are around there, but you're starting then to model the type of events that are occurring, uh, where you might have better freight rates to be able to move trailers in an efficient fashion, so you're lowering the costs that are around that. And you start to, to build and ingest a, 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 a use case around this, like, all right, we're going to take our trailers are going to have sensors on them. We're going to bring the location from that in there. I'm going to take the data that's coming in from the National Weather Service and some of the models that are around there. I'm going to look at where I have efficient 
available storage capacity on yard to be able to store those at the best and lowest landed cost. And those are the things you start to build together. And, and all of those are like independent data sources that you then want to use either machine learning or advanced analytics on top of that. I'm going to, I'm going to do something with that. In some cases, it may be as simple as visualizing this. I need to be able to, to actually just show the current state of the asset and be able to, to uh, track that uh, or to be able to query what I have available and where, and where. And so you start to use some core frameworks on that. That's, you know, search and SQL. The, we haven't even gotten over to the advanced analytics and machine learning and our artificial intelligence kind of stuff. Um, we're at our first level of problems here, which is how do I get data together, build the, the data set that allows me to attack the problem that I believe I have a way to, to improve or achieve the mission. And so are there um, uh, pilot programs they can download or, or uh, sample test cases? or So what should they call up one of your partners or what's the next step for my listeners? Yeah. And, and one of the things about Cloudera that I really like is we have such a rich ecosystem of partners that are around our around the, the technology itself. Um, so go to the website. You know, start with that. There are lots of ideas there that can inspire you in, in how other people have looked at a problem and said, I can solve this with, with data and analytics. I can, I can use a framework on top of that. Um, in there, there's also training available. So if you want to be able to do that either online or you know, you know, seats in a, in a class to understand this, to, to sort of look and expand these new frameworks about how, how to use this kind of a technology. How would I use a modern platform for machine learning and advanced analytics? What kinds of magazines out there? There's a magazine called GovTech. <laughs> And there's an article in GovTech called, Will Edge Computing Change How Government Operates? That's you, buddy, isn't it? Yeah. Edge compute. I guess that's what the general category is, is edge computing. Well, we, we, we talked a little bit earlier. We said, all right, we, we have this data in motion. And I, I said, well, we want, to, we want to try to bring the compute as close to the event that's happening. I want to be able to take that down to a low latency kind of fashion. That's what the edge is all about. Um, and we're going to have you know, multiple edges that are going to occur in here because we each one of our nodes, each, each sort of element we define has edges on either side of that. So can I put compute there? Can I use a, a storage capacity at that level to build out a model that allows me to, to change and influence what we're doing? So um, I point all these dots together, you know, um, edge computing, uh, Cloudera, IoT, the, the phrase that pays, here's the phrase, you're a radio guy, the <laughs> phrase that pays is cybersecurity. Yeah. So you haven't talked about this at all. Where does this all fit in with gathering data? Is it just an afterthought? Is it baked in? Well, I mean, and you have to start putting data at the forefront of your mission. So for you to be able to do a, a cybersecurity-oriented use case, you've got to be collecting that data to a consistent place. Whether you're doing that in your existing SIM today or whether you want to look at types of use cases or types of models that don't fit well within your SIM. It's exactly where you start to see a cyber use case on top of this. But yeah, I tend not to, to say one type of data over another because it really is going to matter what your mission is, what you're trying to accomplish. So where we stand here, uh, five years from now, I don't know, what's that, 2023 or something? I don't know, five years down the road, I'll probably be turning 40 by then. <laughs> so, so where it's going to be four, four or five years down the road? Where do you see all this happening? You think people are going to be motivated? They're going to understand? Maybe there'll be an incident where they'll have to take and apply this? Or well, where do you see it all heading in the next four or five years? Yeah, I, I, th I think we can pretty safely say that there is going to be more data 
in four or five years. That's a pretty safe that's, statement. You know, that's a political statement. If anyone make a um, safe one, so we've got we've got to put in you know infrastructure and capability that allows us to manage the data where it makes sense. And this is what's getting really interesting. Uh, we talked about this in you know, with the cloud era. Um, we primarily in our early days were focused in these sort of data center oriented workloads. Um, that's because that's where people wanted to put their data and their compute. What you're going to see over the next four to five years is data is going to be in lots of different places depending on the the economics and the compute processing capabilities. Cloud is going to be a significant uh, part of our landscape for how we think and manage data. And we're going to have to manage that asset uniformly. We're going to have to provide consistent uh, governage, uh, governance, lineage, um, the ability to to morph that data as it needs to be and the tooling to do that. And so I think that's going to be a really big push for us is really how do we govern this data and, and turn it into the asset, into the natural resource that it needs to be to power these kinds of use cases. There's an image I had. I listened to your uh, little video this morning, as I said earlier, and, and you talk about a giant catcher's mitt. So yeah. what the heck's a giant catcher's mitt got to do with Cloudera? Well, it, it means that you've, if you've got data flowing at you in all these different ways, it doesn't matter whether you know it's a pitch right down the center or it's a curveball or it's a wild pitch. You've got to be able to catch the data and use it. And so I looked at one of my first way to think about what this platform did is it, it could capture any data. So whether it was structured data, and a lot of data in this world is, whether it was you know, new forms of data that we're using like video or image or audio data, um, or it's just you know, new elements in what we would consider and phrase unstructured data. And this platform doesn't care. It just says data is data. And we can, we can capture that all and then you build and you do things on top of that. Your LinkedIn profile has three characteristics for you. I don't know if you know this or not. One is software as a service. And uh, I think the other one is something like uh, edge computing and uh, enterprise software. So, And this is really an enterprise product. This isn't uh, Joe's Donuts. This is big systems. You really have to have a certain volume in order to, to make decisions on it, don't you? Well, and Cloudera is always focused on the largest enterprises, in part because they have some of the biggest and best data to, to work with. Um, and that does mean you have to have things like governance and lineage and access controls and security and encryption built in at its core. Um, we have a well, a good presence within the public sector where, as you can imagine, there's a lot of this data coming in for things like uh, security-oriented types of use cases. And th these organizations require that kind of a, a capacity to manage and, and govern data as well as to be able to build machine learning and advanced analytics on it. I go to a bunch of events. I was at a Microsoft event, and the featured speaker was Red Hat. I said, well, this is the wrong room. I went down the hallway. and uh, So how do you work with vendors like Microsoft? I mean, they're a big dog in this area. I mean, open source, uh, collaborate together. What's your relationship with companies like Microsoft? Yeah, like Microsoft and AWS, great partners for us because of the, the cloud computing platform. We consume that as infrastructure as a service when our customers are using Cloudera on these these modern platforms, so Google, Amazon, Microsoft. I didn't realize that there was a good. I would think that you know, but they're really not designed to have that type of ability. I mean, if you said unstructured data to Microsoft, they'd go well. There's a license attached to something. You know, it's just not not their strike zone. Right, but you go back to this. We're now we're going to play data where it lands. We're going to use these different kinds of, of capabilities, and that's why you know we're that's such a good partnership for us because our customers, both within the public sector and commercial are using all of these different platforms. 
and you may use one cloud platform in you know, Western Europe, you may use another in North America, third over in Asia Pac. Uh, you may want to sit within the, the secured cloud environments that they have for the government. And so you're going to play data in, in a number of different places. That's Cloudera's unique capability that we bring in here with something we call SDX, the shared data experience. Cloudera, powering possibilities. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. I'd like to thank my guest, Dave Schumann, IoT and manufacturing leader at Cloudera. You've been listening to Federal Tech Talk with John Gilroy, managing partner at the Oakmont Group. Download this show or any of our weekly programs anytime at federalnewsradio.com. Search Federal Tech Talk.